everybody. It's Tuesday. It's Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. We got a triple threat of Toronto sports tonight. Leafs, Raptors, Blue Jays, all in action. We'll get to all of it today. We also have, Blake, our first ump show of the Major League Baseball season. I don't know if you just saw moments ago, Manny Machado ejected by Ron Culpa for being too late to uh, face the pitcher with eight seconds left in the pitch clock, was still fiddling with his gloves, but was like trying to signal timeout uh, because he, he didn't want to be punched out on, you know, on a, on a pitch clock violation for strike three. Uh, Ron Culpa said, nuts to that, you're out, and then you're out of here in the early stages of a home game for the Padres. That's, that's fun. Yeah, Ron Culpa needs a little mea culpa. Here, a little my oh, bad. That's good. A little that's my good. bad. Um, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have to enforce it to some extent because it's the new rules and they want to set the precedence and all that good stuff. But yeah, that was a that was a soft one. I think that's exactly the type of thing that people were hoping didn't happen within all these changes that have, by and large, been uh, a positive. I love it so and, far, and I love that you have to be stringent and and the I I don't want to deviate from the rules when there's like an an, an in, and intense what's your bad moment. Number? and being an intense moment in the ninth inning and then the playoffs. And I love it. I love it. I love it. But this, the, this thing is a little confusing to me. I get it. You, 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 the eight second thing makes sense to me, but like at that point, then the pitcher should just be well within his rights to throw the baseball. That's, I don't think, I don't think you should be a, it should be an automatic strike. It's just, okay, it's the eight second mark and the pitcher can throw now. And uh, he has until the end of the pitch clock, so he's going to throw at some point. It's on you if you're not ready. Eight seconds is the point in which you should be ready. Why are we issuing automatic strikes? So I brought this up with someone at some point, and there was a pitcher component to it that the pitchers would maybe not like that. The pitchers having a batter set to pitch to, like if a pitcher's quick pitching, um, it, it can a hitter not being ready in time can disrupt the pitcher's approach and the pitcher's timing as well. Uh, to whereas they might prefer the Getting free strike. Getting a free strike? Well, I mean, it is a free strike if you can throw a strike. It's up to you. But it's also potentially that guy flares at it and pokes a single the other way or something like <laughs> well, that. Well, then wait. Or, or then wait for ball. him to be ready. But then you would get the pitch clock <laughs> violation. Like, no. what, if the, what if the pitcher does something I, friendly and it waits because the guy's mm. not ready to go and then well, not it's that an automatic friendly. ball? Nah, I, 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 like, I think I made a good point. To be honest with you, I'm not backing off of it. You've not made a good enough counterpoint uh, that I've, I've come off my opinion that just throw the baseball with eight seconds left. Although, I mean, in this instance, you should just call the timeout that the batter's looking to be granted. That that seems like that makes the most sense. And then don't eject like one of the stars of the game in what the first inning, again, of a home game. Give me a break. Yeah, how I, I, ju- I don't really understand how after the last couple of Weeks, months, years, whatever, there are still officials across any sport willing to have a hair trigger on ejections with players. Like, you are not the point of the game. Mm. Your entire thing is supposed to be to stay out of the way. Furniture. Enforce the rule for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's no rule saying, yeah, if a guy doesn't like the call, you got to kick. Like, and it's so early in the game. You miss a whole game this of Manny it. Machado. It's not, it's not like the ninth inning and he was the second out and, and Poor it's done Timmy anyway. is going to go to one Padres game this season. This is the one that, that he was, you know, he's coming in. He's pulled out of school, got the day off to go to the ballpark. It's a Dad, beautiful day. I, I really want to see Ron Culpa. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron Culpa ruined it. I mean, his team is leading, though. Padres leading uh, one nothing over the Arizona Diamondbacks. All right. Um, 
Padres have rebounded after a sluggish uh, start offensively for them. Blue Jays uh, still waiting for that rebound. They started off super strong. Game one scored a bunch of runs, and yeah, the starting pitching wasn't so great, but uh, looked pretty good in large part. There were a couple of bullpen pieces that looked okay. Since then, nothing but abject disaster. Uh, game two, they they got a good pitching performance from Kevin Gossman. That has been the only even reasonable starting pitching performance as the Blue Jays find themselves 1-3 in three and now allowing 31 runs through their first four games. And only once before in franchise history have they allowed at least 30 runs over the first four games. That was the 82 season. But in 82, they went 2-2 two and two over that span. There was like two games. There was a 15-run game and a 14-run game that they allowed. It's been awful, awful, awful. And Jose Barrios, the most recent guy to be awful. And, I mean, for all our... Blue Jays, all our baseball conversations are are with the caveat it's it's early. I don't know if you can say that with this guy who had an entire season of awfulness, spent the entire offseason trying to change that narrative, went through these changes during spring training, and right out of the gate, awful eight earned runs against a team that was shut out twice in its first three games. On top of which, if you were going to spin last season, it's not even spin, you could this is a reasonable opinion. Uh, if you were going to look at last season and say, well, why do the metrics and some of the advanced stuff believe in a Brios comeback? And the answer to that is, well, there's a long track record of him being this guy and being very consistent. Um, and, and then the other element is, well, if it was mental and if all the tinkering started to wear on him and he couldn't find his way back to center, the off season was the only time you're going to get any amount of time to reset yourself. Well, guess what has been reset instead? All the Jose Brios angst and anxiety and the World Baseball Classic outing was maybe something he could have shaken off. But now he's got that and his first outing here Um, for a guy who last year went through it a bit mentally in terms of I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that third base side of the rubber, first base side of the rubber, more fastballs, fewer fastballs, more curveballs, fewer curveballs, hand positioning. How open are you at what point in your delivery? Every game, it seemed like something else was tinkered with and never for more than a game or two at a time was it successful. Well, he's right back to square one in terms of all well, the reset from the off season, wherever you, whatever center you tried to come back to, you're now back center to of the plate is where he was. Yeah. A little too much, a little too much. And I know we're going to talk to, we're going to have Joe Siddle in studio with us in a little bit here. So I don't want to uh, mow his grass because he was quite frustrated. It sounded like last night on blue Jay central after the game on television with just the moving, I guess moving target for analysis with Jose Barrios because the stuff hasn't really changed. The velocity readings are the same. What he throws are the same. Um, and there's nothing there screaming injury or decline and stuff. It's just a different thing every time out. And at this point, how the heck do you even diagnose it? Because even if you think you figure out what it is and you're like, okay, well, this is it with his fastball. Where is the confidence coming that, something it's not just gonna be something else that pops up oh no 100 percent. this is a this is a guy that start to start now like he, if he had gotten off to a good start against a horrible royals team we could have still maybe had the conversation that your trust level with him is at a below average level now i mean how how many starts in a row does he have to put together before you're like well this guy is back to the 20? two-time all-star opening day started the blue jays gave a seven-year extension and what did we say yesterday we, we pointed we went through that royals lineup and said yeah they're stacking lefties against them which is fine that's what you do against brios there's a hundred point difference in slugging percentage last year righties versus lefties um 
But if he had a bad start, it was not going to be because there are so many lefties in the lineup or the Royals are good. No, that was like not a little league lineup, but some of those guys are going to be in Omaha this year playing for Kansas City's AAA team. Yep. Some of them were just there. Yep. The Some of the lefties, they, like Jackie Bradley Jr. Yep. started and hit seventh for that team. Yep. Like we, we just went through the Jackie Bradley Jr. thing. Yep. A wonderful person and outfielder, not exactly a guy that you're worried about at the dish. So I don't know how you look at what happened yesterday and come out of it with any semblance of confidence at Barrios because it was the easiest possible landing spot is the easiest possible matchup. It was the only window he's going to have of fresh start, fresh start. Yep. Now you are okay. You were good down the stretch in 2021. Everything since then yeah. Has been bad. Well, that's, I mean, people do forget that after the trade, you know, he had a couple of clunkers. I remember one against the Angels, but like by and large, and against some beasts of the American League East, he was pretty good in 2021 in the half a season he spent and then spent an off season. I don't know what thinking about being a blue Jay and then stunk the joint out in his worst professional season last year and off to, um, I mean, I guess not as bad a start because he got out of the first inning, but holy cow. Eight earned runs, which is something that he did multiple times during the course of, of last season. It's it's staggering. There's lots of stuff that we can talk about. And, and honestly, despite the slow start standings-wise, I can point to an, a couple of different things that I've enjoyed process-wise with this Blue Jays team. And I don't think, you know, they're going to have a starter's ERA over 10 for the whole season. But I will say, like, that is on the number one list of things that I'm now, like, so hyper aware of and and considering a potential problem for this season, it is the back end of the rotation and the the, the pressure that all of a sudden is on Yusei Kikuchi against a, again a Royals team that is not supposed to be anywhere near a postseason spot feels like monumental tonight. Yeah, I don't know that it's the best opening week in the season if a lot rides on Yusei Kikuchi. Now, hey, it's he, not. He had a great spring. Uh, this <laughs> I guess, a- but he struck out a bunch. So, hey, listen, look at all the strikeouts that Jose Barrios had yesterday. What, six and five and two-thirds? Yeah, here's the thing about Jose Barrios, though. You're getting a lot of swings, and you're going to get some swings and misses with that. <laughs> yeah. um, they swung at 61% of the fastballs he threw in the strike zone. Yeah. I know that doesn't sound like a lot because it's like, oh, fastball in the zone. Of course you're going to swing. The like major league leader last year got his fastball swung on in the zone 48% of the time. Yeah, that's, so that's a lot. Even for a fastball down the plate, 61% <laughs> swing. That tells me that they knew he wasn't confident and they were waiting on it. Like, yeah, he threw that, whether you call it a curve or a slurve, with some authority at, at parts of that outing. But... No, the, and the fastball, and honestly, it should be said, the changeup is good hitting. Like it mm-hmm. was, it was good hitting because the changeup doesn't play unless the fastball is locating well. Correct. That's it. That's and I don't know if that can just all of a sudden depart your body, but it seemingly has over the last year and a start for Jose Barrios, who was again a two-time All Star, deserving of a seven-year contract extension given to him by the Blue Jays. Not a ton expected of him. Fourth starter against what could be one of the worst offenses in all of baseball gives up eight earned runs. It's first start of the season, but it's like the, the, it's hard to overstate how poorly he has started his season. So we went into this season as we, when we were talking about the rotation and we tried to put some context to, well, your fifth starter, you know, the bar is pretty low, right? Well, the bar for your fifth starter is 
not as low if your third and fourth starters have been disasters. Now, I, I don't have a lot I, of... Chris Bassett has a lot of rope for me, yeah, right? Like, that's me, number me one start of the season. Like it, It's also, his velocity was down, and he located the fastball really poorly on a low-velocity day. Yeah. At least with him, it's a really easy thing to point to and be like, yep, that's what went wrong. Mm-hmm. The velocity came up over the course of the start, and as long as the velocity's back and you low, and this is a guy with a long history of locating better, you can get there. With Jose Brios, though, we're talking about... A season, a full season, and now a WBC start and a close to spring training and this game nightmare. Where not yeah. not not just like bad, not just like league average, no, like really bad, horrific, horrific, like unsustainably bad. And I know he he tied Kevin Gossman with the quality starts. What did he have seventeen, 17. last season? Okay, cool. and the Blue Jays had a great record with them. You cannot sustain every fifth day, like occasionally giving up eight runs. Like you just can't. I mean, you, they will because he has six more years left on his contract, but. It is, it's, it's not what you want. And even if there are better days ahead, I think what this does is it ratchets up the pressure on if I haven't gotten to know Chris Bassett yet, so maybe it doesn't affect him, but I would say there's a modicum of extra pressure on him next time out now, because you know, you, you are aware that one of you or Barrios has to be the number three. Like this is supposed to be a, a rotation with some depth to it. And I, I think all of the pressure on Kikuchi right now is probably internal for him from what the last couple years were like but from a 500 foot level yeah there is immense pressure on Yusei Kikuchi at least this time through the order through the rotation to give them something better than what we saw from him last year because I don't know you I I don't want to get into worrying about the bullpen workload this early or whatever but you're well I'm averaging like five innings a start from your starters and barely and if Kikuchi has a short one tonight yes you have Manoa around the corner Manoa and Gosman against the Royals that should be Good eating for them, right? But then you have Shohei and Mike Trout coming in this weekend <laughs> for the bad part of your rotation. Yeah. Or and, not coming in this week. You're going there either way. Yeah. Um, and John Schneider at least did the thing that I would have done and I would do more often as I was a manager because, like, that's what the money's for is just kept him out there, even though Jose Barrios was obviously getting tattooed. But you got into the sixth inning with him at least and only had to use two relievers. Like, that's honestly, when when you're making that type of money and you've performed as poorly as you have and and understanding that, you know, I, maybe you're going to shatter his confidence. It's not like you get any lower. That that would be my modus operandi in, in starting Jose Barrios. It's like, you you eat it. If you stink... You're going out there. You're pitching me. Uh, you're throwing 100 pitches. I don't care how many runs you give up. There are two things that can happen when you do that, right? One is he gets a couple of decent lower leverage innings under him, and maybe maybe it's something you can build from. Or he doesn't, but you save your bullpen yep. in a game that you're already down significantly. Like what, Like the Jays got almost all of their runs late in the game. So yes. it was 9-1 at the point that they took yeah, them out. five runs could should be enough for you to win a baseball right. game. Now, was, they were never in that I, baseball game. I feel game. differently about that decision if after five innings that game is 7-4 sure. instead of 9-1 yeah. because or 7-1 at that point because then you have a, a chance to win still and, and getting to a bullpen that, yeah, if you thin them out, it, it's tough in later games, but you still have a chance to win. The way the Jays... Bats have looked since the first game yeah. of the season. I don't know that you could have been like, yeah, eight runs is uh, is possible, but at least they homered. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the offense in just a second. I just want to put a capper on on the starting pitching as a whole, and there's, there's still one-fifth of the rotation that we haven't seen tonight is uh, Yusei Kikuchi making his season debut tonight uh, in Kansas City in game two of four against the Royals. So the Blue Jays starters have an ERA, as I mentioned, of 10.8. Uh, their ex-FIP is 4-2, 
because they have, and partly because they have a 455 batting average on balls in play, or at least opponents do against their starting pitchers, but they also have the highest hard hit percentage at 55.6% in all of Major League Baseball. So, yeah, again, they're not going to go the whole season with an ERA of 10.8, but the, the advanced numbers uh, match the eye test here that the starters have been abominable. For context, a 55.6% hard hit rate means nine out of nine times that a ball gets put in play five of them are just ripped rockets yeah not great <laughs> no it hasn't been great here's what i think has been great though honestly because you, you mentioned the the offense and all right they had the offense ex, uh, explosion in in game one without hitting a home run and and they hit their first one yesterday that almost looked like it was coming back after bobichette it's to the amish guy who was no it wasn't actually the amish guy he was in right field in in 2015 not in left field uh but he he hits the blue jays first home run of the season so they're off the schneid homer wise they actually are are up among the league leaders in batting average and on base slugging obviously not so much and I've seen some good approaches, Blake. Mm-hmm. Like especially, especially from Vlad. Top, yeah, yeah. Vlad and Bo look as locked in as really they're ever going to look. And I, I, yeah, Vlad, the power is who's really all that concerned about the power not being there for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. To me, the number one thing that I would be looking at is is spitting on pitches that are out of the zone or or pitches that he can't hit homers with. And he's been doing that in large part. Matt Chapman, after some of the hand wringing in spring training about this guy changing his approach a little bit with a little less uh, uh, foot movement and and trying to go to the opposite field. He is doing that with authority and Matt Chapman hitting fourth in tonight's lineup against the lefty against the the Royals. And we've talked about Dalton Varsho looking pretty good in his at-bats against all comers and including lefties. I think the process there is is pretty good with the offense. Maybe if, if you were really going to start worrying about that part of of the equation you probably shouldn't there's enough time to be spent worrying about the pitching but if you're going to maybe brandon belt would be the one guy with a lot of swing and miss in in the early stages of of his game but this is a guy who who because he wanted to didn't spend a lot of time playing in in grapefruit league games so maybe just needs a little time to warm up also a guy who's out of the lineup today so yeah we'll see against the looks. lefty yeah um the, yeah i think from a plate discipline standpoint from uh if you'd prefer the more modern from swing decision standpoint jays are bottom three and how often they swing at pitches outside of the zone bottom three and swing and miss i think those are good process indicators um you know four games is a little small sample for for process stuff team-wide but it starts at the top for this team right like obviously we're going to wring our hands about seven eight nine and who hits where and who gets how much playing time doesn't matter if vlad hits 50 bombs yeah if we're going to be really reductive this team is going to go ceiling wise how bo and vlad go and bo and vlad are off to really good starts yep and that's great matt chapman up in the cleanup spot today because he's been tearing the cover off the ball poor guy two doubles yesterday with a runner on first and he can't buy an rbi Um, oh boy Alejandro kirk is uh is quite slow yeah not great uh, in the running game on either side Dude, okay, of the, so, the ball so far. We'll talk to Joe Siddle a little, a little bit more uh, about that, but he was 0 for 2 in caught stealing yesterday. Second one, he just ate it, didn't mm-hmm. throw it to, to second base. First <laughs> one, he had a real legit uh, shot, except it was, it was a horrible little throw there. Um, and uh, the, the metrics are, are down from his career norms last season. I mean, season. we don't even have to say metrics, right? He had the, He's had three guys try to run on him through spring training and now on balls he actually tried to throw the guy out yeah. and he's throwing the ball way softer yep. than we're used to. And his pop times worse. I mean, those are fractions of a second, but the big, the, the arm just doesn't look as good yet. And I'm really curious to talk to Joe about not only how the changes in the running game affect the catching thing, but we have heard a lot as we get more 
data available and we hear we talk to Jay's pitchers and staff more about just how good Kirk and Jansen both have gotten at calling games and blocking pitches and framing. Can you really do all of the things? Well, like, is there an element of catching that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the run game or game calling or, or pitch framing or whatever, like, can you do all those things? Or is there one that individually or as a team, you kind of have to deprioritize because you just can't be like, there are only so many guys who are the greatest cat. Like Yadier yeah. Molina is not <laughs> right. growing on trees. Yeah. The Johnny bench is even long you, retired. Even if you plant Yadier Molina in the ground and give him good soil <laughs> and, and water and stuff, there aren't no. going to be more of them that grow. No. I think the Cardinals tried. That's yeah. why he was there until he was 50. Yeah. And part of it's on, on the pitcher. Although Barrios has been pretty good at, at limiting the, the running game. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of traffic, uh, on him. That's on, the thing. The him. more guys on base, the more you're going to see this, right? Yeah. So, Although you don't want to, you know, run yourself out of innings when the, there's some guys, you know, lining the ball all over the the ballpark. This is a. It's an interesting thing when we talk about like stolen base break even points or whatever, right? Because the the DNA of your team also mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. And if you're the Royals, you're not a power heavy team. The turning singles into doubles or turning you know, st- taking every little extra base you can, you are actually more okay with running into outs as a team like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're the Blue Jays and you're at the bottom of that Blue Jays order and you run into an out with Boba Shedd and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. coming up, mm-hmm. that is uh, a lot more painful than if you run into an out with Nicky Lopez and, uh, well, MJ Melendez, after taking it in the pills, takes it to, to right field real deep. Oh yeah. You didn't start the show with your Melendez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have some Melendez thoughts. Um, it was my kid's favorite moment of the entire baseball game, and he, and he made me go on Twitter and find the gif of it. He was like, "Did that?" And I was like, "Oh, buddy, did it ever?" And he, so he wanted Jason Thirty to just be that. <laughs> Let's not do the Jose Barrio start. Let's just watch man hitting groin with football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we talk to Joe Siddle about that or not? Like he would know. And, I, and, and Buck Martinez, yeah, he he was relating to the situation very much. During I think the our first time talking to Joe Siddle this, this season, season, our we, debut, we maybe don't want to make him talk about getting hit in the in the stuff. You know, Pills. Joe Siddle is smarter and above <laughs> that kind of. Stuff. I'm sure he has some great takes on it, and uh, but yeah, I think I think maybe we keep it real baseball talk with Joe Siddle. All right. Um, Metaphorically, Blue Jays fans have taken it uh, in the pills over these first four games. Uh, perhaps that changes tonight. Still three games to go against a team that should be among the worst in baseball this season. And, I mean, this is a 10-game road swing. I know you're you're playing some some teams, well, one in the Kansas City Royals, who's definitely going to be out of the playoffs, and another in the Angels, who, by the way, are off to a, a good start, who might be on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Like, over a 10-game road trip to start the season, 5-5 five and five is not unacceptable. Like, that, that would be, well, especially the way this has started, 5-5 five and five would be a good way to start your season what going about into, one and nine that would be really bad why are we giving them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> that they're gonna go four and two over these last six games that's not acceptable that's no, not I, I really like obviously it's it's all 162 games are equal and it's early in the season whatever i i do think it would oh there's another one we just saw the mj melendez thing play out uh very specifically in the san diego padres game sorry yeah um it's distracting when a man is in the groin with the football barney's had a lot of heart yeah but <laughs> hans moments had man getting in the groin with football um no Do you remember I think, what your point was or yeah, move i just on? I, I think it would 
not feel great if you're heading into a series against Shohei and Mike Trout if you are below 500 because you only were able to split against the Royals. Yeah. And, like, you can get there with losing to the Cardinals. I think even though everyone jokes about the Angels all the time, if you lose a series of the Angels, everyone gets it. Shohei yeah. Otani and Mike Trout are the two best players in the world. But if you if those are sandwiched around, eh, we squeaked by with two out of four in no. Kansas City, that's not going to feel very good, especially since two of those games will have had Manoa and Gosman. And guess which three games don't? You're three mm. against the Angels on the weekend. Like, there's not must-win pressure right now, but there certainly would be, I think, a, a nice release in that room if they hit well, go, the crap out of the ball today yeah. and and Yusei Kikuchi gives them, I don't know, five innings with some strikeouts? Yeah, go back to, well, last season they, they had a great start because they were winning a bunch of one-run games that really, like, you know, gave them a little bit of a, a buffer zone. Uh, they obviously came back to earth after, you know, losing a bunch of one-run games. But go back to the 2013 season after all the hype and the disappointing start to that season, how that changed the narrative for that team. Anyways, we'll see. Still three games to go in KC. Uh, before we take the break, this one's a weird one, man. This one came out of nowhere. Uh, Boston Red Sox outfielder Alex Verdugo oh on a podcast. Uh, Red Sox, Blue Jays obviously have not yet played this season, for some reason, uh, Alec Manoa came up in, in conversation on a podcast uh, that Alex Verdugo was doing. Like, I'll say it right now. I think Alec Manoa goes about it the wrong way. Uh, you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah. 100%. I think he does. You can find videos, footage of him in the AAA, of AAA going like this to uh, hitters. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, last year, telling uh, Frenchie and Bobby, like, like uh, go sit and like that. And it's just like, and looking right at him. Yeah. So it's like, you know like that like that just pisses me off and like i said it's not it's not it's not the way it should be played it should be played like you're celebrating it with your team you're not you're not disrespecting another player who's you know at the end of the day just we're just trying to compete man that's right. it <laughs> and then he struck me out yeah. and he said a mean thing to me and I didn't want to go back up to come on. Yeah. I don't. Give me a break that like, first of all, to bring this up at the start of the season when you haven't even played against them. Yeah. But like, this is such loser stuff to, to have, to be so in your, not in your feelings, but have Manoa so in your head that months after that happened, it's the start of the season and you haven't played them. You don't play them for a little bit. So, and this is what's front of mind for you. You're talking, Oh, I saw him in triple a once do this. Give me a break. What a baby. I wonder. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, not to take the devil's advocate position, but I, it does. I like my, okay, my Keith. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do that, but I, I'm like wondering if this is a reputation that is shared amongst many other baseball players of Alec Manoa, who, from an outsider's perspective, not even just, you know, somebody that's covering the Blue Jays uh, on a full-time basis, but, you know, somebody who's watched his narrative, his star grow within the larger sphere of Major League Baseball. He's got a weekly hit now on MLB Network. He was the breakout star of the All-Star break. I wonder if there's, I don't know, is there, like, some jealousy or something? Like, what what is happening around Major League Baseball that Alex Verdugo's doing a podcast and Alec Manoa's the first guy that, that pops into his brain as, as far as somebody he wants to denigrate? Well, here's the thing. We, we have uh, an old Blue Jays philosopher that we can lean on mm-hmm. in times like these. If you don't like it, 
Mm-hmm. Pitch better. Yeah. Now hit better, I guess. Hit better. Yeah. Uh so he has done that to the Boston Red Sox. Absolutely. He did in the All-Star game when he struck out the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who he didn't do it to? The St. Louis Cardinals the other day when right. they were hitting the crap out of his pitches. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy solution to me. Mm-hmm. You don't like a guy being fired up on the hill when he's pitching well against you. Don't let him pitch well against you. I, I can't believe it's 2023 and we're still doing this stuff. Like I don't know. Is Manoa going to cry on his MLB network hits if someone bat flips him in a big moment? Probably Absolutely not. not. No. I don't think so. Caitlin Clark spoke today about the, all the stuff about Angel Reese and was like, what? Like, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, it was like, what are you guys talking about? Right. I did the same stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, why do you want to take that, that competitive and, and show person element out of the sport? It's a huge part of why we like it. Everyone just doesn't like being on the losing side of it. Mm-hmm. So stop being a baby. And like, I guarantee you there's been a Red Sox pitcher who, or a, before that, a Dodgers pitcher who pitched with Alex Verdugo and did some of the same things. Mm-hmm. And he didn't find it offensive then and wasn't like, hey, man, mm-hmm. kind of so bad good. for the yeah. team. Chris Sale, <laughs> if you're a little fired up. At no, the, you we don't, we don't you like don't talk. You we don't think do that's that to disrespectful. And uh, the, us and the rest of the guys would like it if you didn't do that anymore. Give me a break. You don't mess with Chris Sale. Cut up your uniform or he'll smash a phone what? or do something. Or a TV. Wasn't that what he smashed up? Anyways, yeah. His own jersey, too. He ripped yeah. it in half no, Hulk Hogan style. With, no, yeah. with, with the scissors, well, yeah. Like, come on. The Hulk Hogan ones were pre-cut, too. This is, everything's gimmicks. <laughs> oh, wow. Just like the tables are pre-cut. <laughs> sorry to, oh, sorry to burst your, your pro wrestling I hope my there. son's not listening. All right. Uh, uh, this is... I, I'm. It's been a week for this stuff already. Yeah. I am... Very tired of it, and I hope if Alex Verdugo hits a... He never will because the Red Sox aren't going to win very many games this year, mm-hmm. but I hope that he hits a walk-off at some point this year and catches himself having emotion in the moment. No, he just shakes everybody's hand yeah. and acts like he's been there Salutes before. the pitcher on his walk to first base, and yeah. I, it's going to make life. It's going to make game one Blue Jays-Red Sox uh, very interesting this season. Blue Jays-Yankees also very interesting. Hopefully Garrett Cole matches up against Alec Manoa in their first start. All right. When we come back, Joe Siddle, we'll uh, get him to weigh in on on that as well, but uh, mostly talk about how crappy the starting pitching has been for the Blue Jays through four games. It's the fan drive time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, the fan. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. Blue Jays playing game two of four in Kansas City tonight on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Yusei Kikuchi making his season debut for the Blue Jays. Making his fan drive time season debut is your friend and mine, Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central. How's it going, Joe? Fantastic. Looking for a better starting pitching performance. Holy cow, man. Yeah. Um, three of the four that we've seen ha- haven't been so great. Uh, Blue Jays have a starter ERA over 10. <laughs> and and I, I don't think anybody has too many doubts about Alec Manoa, who started the, the season opener. Uh, and I, I, I think we give Chris Bassett a bit of a benefit of the doubt, um, considering his track record. We would have done the same if last season didn't happen for Jose Barrios, but we did watch him go through a bunch of starts that looked a lot like yesterday last season, Joe. Like, what is what is your early takeaway from a, a guy who w- was supposed to be past this and back to his consistent self? I think the early takeaway is that he's got a lot going on. 
And when I say a lot, I think there's that's not even talking maybe mentally what's going on because when you struggle as a player, and especially if you're a big-time player like Jose with a big contract, I'm sure it's weighing on him heavily that he didn't perform up to his capabilities. But physically, so many different changes. We've seen him move back and forth and back and forth on the pitching rubber, and that's a common one for pitchers because Mm. they can't get to a certain side of the plate. They'll slide over a little bit, try to help the release point. We've seen him change his hands, come set low, come set high. We've seen him close his stance on the pitching rubber, maybe providing a little deception. Big talk during spring training down in Florida when I was there and after some of his bullpen sessions, once he got back from the WBC, was extension, really trying to get out there. And you'll you'll hear Alec Manoa talk about getting down the mound. That's really getting out there. Well, big part of that is trying to provide a little deception. And all of these things seem to be along those lines and it comes to one word for me searching (laughs) i think he's searching i think the blue jays are searching their coaches are searching clearly they haven't found it yet after what we saw last night i felt last night going into that game what i was looking for was his biggest issue is against left-handed hitters they seem to be the ones that get him the most i wanted to see him pitch inside more just simply pitch inside more make left-handed hitters a little bit more conscious of the ball in and then they won't handle the ball away so well and sure enough he went in sometimes i think it still could have been more a couple left-handed hits on changeups, like out off the outside corner that's yeah. not in the middle but good swings because they're very comfortable well they also seem to have a, a good idea of what they wanted to do against him uh, more than 60 percent of his fastballs that were in the zone got swung at which again i mentioned earlier 60 percent of fastballs in the zone it sounds like yeah you'd obviously swing at those but that's a really high number relative to uh what hitters normally swing at so um it did seem a little bit like the royals were were looking for those fastballs whether they were middle or, or middle in um that inability to consistently go inside against lefties do you think that's that's a confidence thing with with the quality of the stuff and the fact that if he misses in, that's kind of in, in the power, uh, you know, the, the power zone of a, of a left-handed hitter. It, it can be. And I've caught a lot of pitchers that have trouble going inside. And I think it's more of the mental thing, not wanting to go in there too far, not wanting to hit him. And I said it last night, you've got to go in there enough that you don't care if he hits somebody once in a while. Ask mm. Alec Mano if he cares <laughs> if he hits anybody. No. He doesn't do it on purpose, but he knows he's got to pitch inside to be successful and he does it very well. But I think if Barrios got in there a little bit more now, the other thing is the four-seam fastball and the sinking two-seam fastball, whichever one you want to call it. I think I would prefer to see the four-seam fastball coming in. Now, his sinker's obviously going to have that arm side run. That Where's that go? It goes back over the plate toward the left-handed hitter's barrel. And that's why it's so dangerous. It's a great pitch when you, that front hip sinker, that when, when you execute it, it's a great pitch. Start it inside off the plate, have it come back, catch the corner, and the hitter's freezing. But he doesn't throw it a whole lot. But I would say throw the four-seamer in. I don't care if it's O-O, first pitch of a not-bat. Make them aware that you may be in there at 93 to 95 miles per hour, and then they're not leaning out over. And when you say about the fastballs getting hit, yes, he's in the zone a lot. Yes, they're getting hit a lot. Some pitchers that maybe just hitters see them well. Mm -hmm. And right now, hitters are seeing his fastball well. The stuff is there at times that we saw him. Back and forth last year, even at times last night. It was good for a few hitters or an inning and a third, but then went sideways again. So you mentioned that it's a lot of, last year was a lot of tinkering, a lot of changing, a lot of tweaking. Now, I would have thought the offseason is your one quick reprieve to kind of reset and come back to center and, you know, all these things that I was tweaking. Uh, Let's just go back to being Jose Barrios and we'll see what it looks like at the start of spring. How concerning is it for you that we're right back here after one start? Very 
Very concerning. And it was concerning for me when I first saw him in spring training just before he went to the WBC, and I saw these changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, over an offseason, hitters tweak things in their swings, sure. Pitchers tweak things in their deliveries. But I could count three and four and five different things that I was seeing, and I'm thinking over an offseason. Now, did wholesale change ha- changes have to be made? Yeah, I guess you could argue yes, but that's a lot to ask of anybody. I don't care how talented they are. And then you just wonder, is there too much going on? This guy is tremendously athletic. We've seen him on the mound. You think maybe a tweak here or there and then maybe let that athleticism take over? I don't know, but I, I, I'm i sure today and for many days moving forward, there's going to still be a lot of searching going on. Well, that's it. If, if it is mental, if part of it is mental, like it, it, it's only, it feels like it's only going to snowball from there. Game one of the season, your first start of the season to throw up eight earned runs in, in fewer than six innings. And now we got Yusei Kikuchi making his season debut Tonight, a, a guy who had a, a great spring as far as strikeouts are concerned. The walks were, were still there for, you know, for my liking in spring. But, yeah, he's, he's always struck people out. Now, all of a sudden, and, and I know it's super early, and, and at the end of the season, the Blue Jays are not going to have a starter's ERA over 10. But, but Joe, I mean, you, you throw up a clunker from Yusei Kikuchi. It's hard not to let the mind wander a little bit to what, what does the starting pitching depth look like on this Blue Jays team? Well, I think coming into spring training and during spring training, we talked about the starting pitching depth, and it wasn't great. Not many teams have great starting pitching depth. When, when you look beyond the Blue Jays' five, and we talked about a lot of good bullpen arms in AAA Buffalo, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of movement up and down throughout the course of the season in that regard. But in the rotation, there's not a whole lot of, you know, I think when they, they brought Thompson over, was it? The, the, that's probably mm-hmm. number one as mm-hmm. we speak. We'll see how guys pitch. But who's going to get that first call? But I think with Yusei, what he did out of the bullpen last year after his move, we saw him really go to spinning the baseball. He was going to a slider. Now he came to spring training this year, and he's got a curveball and a slider. Mm. So once once again, here's this tinkering we keep talking about. So he's got two breaking balls, still throws that split change, but he's got pretty electric fastball as well, but he just doesn't throw it a whole lot. It's pretty, it can be erratic at times. When you mentioned the walks, I think he's more comfortable spinning the baseball. Yeah. So maybe what we saw from Kuchi out of the bullpen last year, maybe, and I think it did carry into spring training, but it'll probably carry into the season. We'll see it tonight. He'll probably keep doing it. He'll keep leaning heavily on the slider early in the count. I think he feels more comfortable spinning the baseball. Now I was one all of last year, throw the fastball more, throw the fastball more. But I think what happens, too, when you move to the bullpen, you can get away with that a little bit more to the bullpen because you're just going one time through the lineup or maybe one and some change. But as a starter, if you're going to spin the ball that much, hitters are going to start sitting on things. I mean, when you're facing the Yankees or some of these teams, they're going to start sitting on that. So I'm not sure how that's going to work as a starter. Now, I guess the next question down the road, is this guy a starter or a reliever? Because pretty successful out of the pen, what we saw last year, aside from those walks that you talked about, which, of course, <laughs> aren't good out of the bullpen either. But the the fastball late, because it's erratic, maybe you get away with it more because it's more of a chase type thing as opposed to early in the count. Yeah, I do wonder if, you know, if he does lead slider and you're saying, like you like you said, the guy starts sitting on it. I think of even, you know, Hunter Green in Cincinnati where Bo Bichette took that slider early count out tw- twice for home runs in the same game last year. It's like, okay, he was clearly sitting spin and once he got, he jumped all over it. You know, later in count, so is, what is it? Like for a guy, if you're if you're sitting on a slider from a guy like Kikuchi and it's a lefty that can dial up the velocity, um, is that a formula for success or is that like like just a once through the order because once you've seen it, it's kind of tipped its hand? 
I think it's once through the order because, again, as a hitters will tell you, a lot of good left-handed hitters will tell you too, um, trying to hit that lefty sort of thing. When, when guys come out of the bullpen, they're more inclined to do that. We talk a lot about guys coming out of the bullpen and throwing to the fire and the high velocity and all, mm-hmm. but you can get away with it when you're going through the one the lineup one time. If you've gotten, he's got a good breaking ball, or we'll call it a slider because I think that's the one we'll see more of. If he likes it that much, he'll use it more. But just, yeah, I, I, you know, it might be different against the Kansas City Royals lineup, although I probably didn't give them a little credit going into the Barrio start last night because they got to him pretty good. But against a team like that, I, I, I think that's what we're going to see tonight. He's going to lean heavily on that slider early. And, you know, time's going to tell whether you can get away with that. I just don't think that's a great recipe. I don't think you want to be... 50 to 60% breaking balls. And if it's, if, if you're getting away with them early, sure. But sooner or later, I mean, this, we know some of the names we're going to see in the AL East and there's pretty good hitters. Yeah. Statistically, we, we see offense go up as, as the weather gets warmer as we get into the season. Like my, my, my baseball brain tells me that usually the pitchers are ahead of the hitters at this point in the season. But yeah, I, I see John Schneider talk about the beginning of the year is tough. Like in referencing the starting pitchers, like what is your viewpoint on the starters early in the season, I thought they were supposed to have an advantage, Joe. They should be ready. Yeah. The, the spring training's for the pitchers. Now, you know, Jose was another one that went to the World Baseball Classic. Did that set him back? Did it mess up your routine and schedule? I'm sure it did. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm sure most baseball executives, as much as they have to promote the World Baseball Classic, they don't love it. They don't want their players really going there and risking getting injured, but more so than anything, disrupting their schedules. And if anyone needed a schedule and routine this spring, it was probably... Barrios and it was probably Kikuchi so Kikuchi's followed it pretty well it looks like he should be good to go and ready to go but I think for hitters you see some guys get enough at bats where they're caught up and feel good and we're seeing that in the Blue Jays lineup and you're seeing some guys that didn't and uh first two names that come to mind for me are Kirk and Belt yeah like neither one of them it looks like March 15th for them right now it it does and I don't mean that in a bad way it's just they don't look ready they don't look ready offensively um either way whether they're you know, Belt was slow going with the knee, and Kirk, of course, with the birth of his child, I have clear good, clearly good reasons, but it's just <laughs> yeah. it seems like they're behind right now. So with Kirk, uh, both of those guys, by the way, out of the lineup tonight, uh, Jay's facing a lefty in Bubich, so no, no Belt, and it's a Danny Jansen uh, start. We saw Alejandro Kirk get run on last night, and we didn't see a ton of sample of opponents running on the Jays in general in spring training, you know, spring uh, stolen base attempts were up about 40% around the league. And it felt like we didn't really get a good look at how Alejandro Kirk might control the running game. Um, one last night, a completely non-competitive throw, another one that he ate and the two in spring training were also non-competitive throws. Now that's something that we don't, we don't have a ton of track record of, of Kirk controlling the running game, but if stolen base attempts are up as much as they are early on around baseball, um, what do you make of this Jays catching duo from a run control standpoint, because we know they're good framers, they're good blockers. Um, we know everyone speaks the world of Jansen as a game caller. We really haven't seen these guys tested a lot when it comes to stolen bases. Yeah, I think if you give Danny Jansen a shot, and what I mean that the pitcher gives him a shot by, you know, the old time before when you when they actually used to steal bases because it's mm-hmm. going to happen again. Now, where you've got to be, change up your holds and mm-hmm. be a little quick to the plate, maybe an abbreviated leg kick and those sorts of things. It's all about math when it comes to that. You've got to give your catcher a chance. And if you do, Danny's pretty good at receiving the ball and making a decent throw with a decent arm. I think if you give him a chance, he'll be fine at controlling the running game somewhat. But the way we're seeing Kirk throw, no. And I think we're going to see teams running. It's going to be a track meet against Alejandro Kirk back there because of what we've seen. And it hasn't been many throws, but it hasn't looked good. And that goes back to what I'm saying, too, not just behind the plate, but at the plate. He just looks behind right now. He doesn't look like he's ready for the regular season. Now, 
not too fair to judge after a couple of games, but that's what we have right now. The season has started, and it's not that, the Alejandro Kirk we know. Would that impact him defensively? Like, could the arm strength continue to improve as he gets more game action under his belt? What I'm saying defensively is he just does not look like he is into the game right now. Mm. Offensively or defensively, we saw the misplay on the bases, you know, the struggle running the bases right now. His swing to me looks like the the fatigued Kirk at the later part of last season. That's what it looks like right now. That could be timing. It could be not sharp. It could be not ready yet. But you hope it comes quickly because that's a key bat in this lineup. Yeah, and, and some of this is because the uh, because of who's sitting out tonight. But a little bit of a lineup shakeup for the Blue Jays, and I bring that up just because I, I would like to fit one positive in here uh, heading into you know what could be the Jays' second one of the season. Uh, Matt Chapman is going to hit in the four hole tonight. Varsho slides down uh, to five as uh, one of only two lefties in the lineup. Matt Chapman has been tearing the cover off the ball. You mentioned the Kirk base running guy rips two really well hit doubles yesterday and can't buy an RBI. Uh, what have you liked from Matt Chapman at the plate so far? Interesting. You ask, I think it was earlier this week. I was on with JD and during spring training, I didn't really think Matt was in tune with his new toe tap. It just looked like he was out of sync rushing and even halfway three quarters of the way through spring training. He, I, I talked to him about it and he said, yeah, it's just, you're still fighting it, trying it's new. And, Season gets started, and I said, you know, it's just, it's not there yet for me. I think I was telling him that the other day. And then I watched him these last few days, and I played back a little bit of tape myself, and I'm looking going, okay, it's a little better. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by a little better is last year he had the leg kick. But with the leg kick, he would stride, and he would almost drift forward too far. And it was almost like that jump for Hitters don't want to be diving forward, drifting forward. That's not a good thing. The head, he would sink into his legs. His head would come down, like a lot of movement, a lot of, those are not good things if you're a hitter. And now with what with the toe tap, the one thing I noticed watching even just from the last couple of days is it's much more controlled. And with it being much more controlled, that leg kind of going out there, he's still going forward a little bit, but that leg goes out there a little bit more independently. And think of anyone else that does this better than Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that big coil in the hip. The leg basically like goes out there while he stays back. As opposed to some hitters, the leg goes out there as you drift forward. So I think that's what Chapman's doing really well right now. But the toe tap has kind of kept his head kind of level and even so it's like this toe tap and it's just really controlled as opposed to when he was jumping forward and he would sink in and his looked like his head would drop about a foot so it looks much more controlled now and clearly something's working right now but i think it's the the controlled move that maybe that whole package is coming for him right now a lot better than what i saw in spring training yeah i know he's looked spectacular and said he wanted to go the opposite field he's done that with authority early on uh this season i was a little curious to see dalton varsho against lefties this season because he was so poor against them a season ago i know two years ago he had a, a pretty good year in small sample i mean it's always small sample when you're a lefty against lefties and you know last year was his first full season in in the major leagues what have you seen out of varsho who's hitting fifth tonight uh, against the lefty I like what Dalton's doing, and we're going to talk a little Don Varsho on Blue Jay Central tonight about that. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there. There's this narrative going around, and I mean, when I first looked, when he, Blue Jays traded sure. for him, I looked at his platoons, like, okay, he's not good against lefties. But when you look, it's not a lot of plate appearances. No. It's like 250 plate appearances. So in fairness, the guy's a pretty darn good hitter. Um, did he maybe have some pull power last year? Absolutely. Playing in some of those NL West parks, Maybe. And maybe that like has you pulling off the baseball a little bit more. So I had a great conversation with him. I'm going to use this tonight as um, I asked him, is there anything? Most left-handed hitters, I asked that question, like, what do you think against lefties? Yeah. And he gave me a great answer. He said, you know, whenever I got to first base, I talked to Freddie Freeman. And I'd ask him, you know, because he's smart. Pretty, very smart, right? Why not ask the best? And he said that, you know, he would just think about a line drive over the shortstop's head. Well, a lot of left-handed hitters, and I was one too, and those are things you think about. But I think with Dalton, he said you almost – 
felt like he has to concede almost that inner half and not think inner half and pull a home run, which he does well, because then you're totally susceptible. So you sacrifice a little bit. You concede that inner half a little bit and look out over. And so far, it's really worked well for him. Well, he's also got that uh, lefty on lefty drag bunt. If, you, uh, if yes. you come inside and he's not ready to, to swing on it with power. He does a lot of things well. I think Dalton Varshall is going to be just fine in this lineup. And by the way, everyday player, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to be in there every day. Clearly so far. I know, and I know we're not going to see him at catcher. John Schneider said he's, he's not <laughs> the guy, but like you look at his advanced metrics, he's got good pop time apparently. You well, know, as a defender, Kirk is not ready. What are you going <laughs> to do? Just never, and just to confirm, he did catch some bullpens in spring training. I heard mm-hmm. some conversations oh, really? about it, some people saying that he wasn't. I was there at the facility a couple times where he caught bullpen sessions. Now he didn't play in games or anything, <laughs> but just to get that in him so that if Schneid's calls upon him, he's ready. Yeah, every, everyone seems to like Rob Brantley as a guy. Uh, that He's played in nine major league games since 2017. Don't know that uh, that should be the, the backup plan if but, something were to but happen. But good defender. You know, I saw mm-hmm. Brantley in spring training, and yeah. if you need somebody for a few weeks, Brantley comes up and be, he's your backup, I think, because you don't want to disrupt Varsha. Right. I want Varsha in the outfield every day. And That's in the lineup every day, right? In the lineup and in the outfield every day. So if it's for a duration of time, an injury of sorts, then I think, you know, Brantley could be your answer defensively. Uh, Joe, hopefully, uh, Blue Jays, uh, are not a team that, that, that only wins one out of every four games, uh, <laughs> against, uh, one of the worst teams in major league baseball. Uh, we'll be watching tonight. Thanks for doing this, man. Put your hands together for you. Say Kikuchi. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, Joe. There's Joe Siddle. When we come back, uh, Maple Leafs back in action tonight against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll talk to Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. Next fan drive time continues. Sportsnet 590, the fan.